What's up, and welcome back. This is the Sportsball.com podcast, and I am your host, Jackson Williams. And oh, man, is it good to be back and doing this again. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since the last episode here of the podcast, but uh, what can I say? I'm a pretty busy guy. <laughs> um, anyways, I'm back and better than ever. Uh, not really, actually. I'm pretty sick. But anyways, I'm here. I'm ready to talk Bay Area sports with you again right here on the podcast. Um, and today... We're going to break down Game 1 of the Warriors-Rockets playoff series that just started on Sunday. The matchup we've all been waiting for. We're going to break down what happened on Sunday and look forward to what's happening on Game 2 on Tuesday, probably when this podcast is going to be up. So with that being said, let's just dive right in. So, coming into the series, this was the one series that I think me and most other NBA fans, have, this was the one series that we've really been looking forward to in the playoffs throughout the entire season. This is one matchup we've really wanted, we've really been looking forward to, uh, outside of maybe some NBA Finals matchups. Um, but the Golden State Warriors, coming off of two straight NBA titles and four straight NBA Finals appearances, armed with the one seed and home court advantage, taking on the one team that many considered to be the best team in basketball last season, a team that many argued would have won the NBA Finals had Chris Paul not blown his hamstring in Game 5 of the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors. This series, though, not officially the Western Conference Finals, felt like it had all the implications of that same Western Conference Finals matchup last year, if not an actual NBA Finals matchup. The star power was there. The Warriors still have Steph, KD, Clay, and Draymond, and the Rockets still have Chris Paul and James Harden, and Clint Capella. Now, neither team had what I believe to be a totally ideal regular season. <laughs> um... The Warriors did make sure to snag that one seed out west, but they did have struggles with complacency, drama, and uncertainty, uh, specifically with Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. Uh, but the most important thing for them, though, is that they came out of the regular season with home court advantage throughout the Western Conference playoffs and with relatively good health. No one was seriously injured entering the playoffs, like both the last two seasons with Kevin Durant and Steph. With 2016-17, KD had that knee injury because I think it was JaVale fell on his, fell on his leg or it might have been Zaza, but and then last year, Steph... Same thing, uh, JaVale fell on, fell on his leg. But the Warriors were in relatively good health, something that couldn't have been said these last two years. The Rockets, unlike last year, were not the one seed. They ended up as the fourth seed, and they started out the year disastrously. So being the fourth seed was kind of uh, <laughs> miraculous, if, you, if I don't say so myself. Because um, at one point, they were the 14th seed in the West, and that was at the quarter pull of the regular season. It looked like their season was going to be an unmitigated disaster. And I came onto this podcast and told you that. <laughs> um, I think I talked a lot of shit about that, actually. Um, but the Rockets, in the offseason, they let Trevor Reza and Luke Richard and Bob Mute walk and instead signed a washed-up Carmelo Anthony. And that team was awful to start. They also let their defensive coordinator coach, uh, Jeff Bezdelic, they let him walk. They let him retire. And I think that was due to Carmelo Anthony, but I'm not totally sure. Uh, but the team was awful to start. They got dug a huge hole. And then Chris Paul pulled his hamstring again and missed 17 games. But during those 17 games, James Harden ignited and turned their regular season around. And when I say he ignited, I mean that he was literally the visual embodiment of the fire that comes out of the mouths of Daenerys Targaryen's dragons when she says Dracarys. I mean this guy was literally fire. Um, he went on a long-term scoring run that is only rivaled by all-time greats like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. <laughs> and even as someone who hates watching him play, me, I've been very, very honest with you about that on this podcast. I hate watching him play, but I couldn't help but watch 
and have my jaw drop in amazement. It was his performances were awe-inspiring, and he single-handedly brought the Rockets back to contention. And just they were rolling by the time Chris Paul returned. And then after the All-Star break, the team was the hottest one in the NBA. But when the season was all said and done, the regular season at least, the Warriors ended up as the one seed with a record of 52-25, and and the Houston Rockets went 53-29 and and were the fourth seed. <clears throat> so, they came into the playoffs as the one seed and the fourth seed. And in round one, the Golden State Warriors took on the eighth-seeded Los Angeles Clippers. And it took them six games to win. And this was one hell of a series for us Warriors fans. <laughs> uh, and not in a good way. This shit was fucking rough. Um, at times, the Warriors looked unstoppable. And at other times, it looked like the dynasty was coming apart at the seams. I mean, <laughs> literally coming apart at the seams. The Warriors literally blew a 31-point lead in Game 2. That's right. A 31-point lead <laughs> and lost the game. It was just a fucking terrible experience. <laughs> But after that game, though, Kevin Durant sat down with reporters and said this. I'm not going to get in the way of the game because, you know, I want to have a little back and forth with Patrick Beverly. I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. Y'all know who I am. <laughs> and since that quote, Durant has been on a dominant stretch that looks almost Jordan-esque. He has averaged 40.5 points in the five games since then. He scored 45 points in a Game 5 loss against the Clippers and then dropped 50, the big 5-0, in a series-winning Game 6 win. But not all was right for the Warriors after that series, as both Steph Curry and Klay Thompson sprained their ankles in that series-winning Game 6, which definitely is concerning for the Warriors. And since they only had 36 hours before Game 1 against the Rockets, we didn't know if they were going to play if they were going to be able to play in Game 1, probably the most crucial game of the entire series. So, the Warriors won that series in six games against the Clippers. It was a pretty tough one for us Warriors fans, but Kevin Durant emerged and has just been on a tear since then. The Rockets, kind of on the opposite scale of the spectrum there. <laughs> um, they took on the fifth-seeded Utah Jazz in the first round, and that series lasted only five games. Uh, and to be honest, it wasn't a very close series with many things to take away. The Utah Jazz just didn't match up well with them, and Donovan Mitchell couldn't buy a bucket. I mean, <laughs> he was left wide open on a potential game-winning shot. I think it was game three, and he just fucking whiffed. It was, it was pretty brutal. Um, and I mean, this is how bad this is how badly they were the two teams were matched up. The Jazz tried playing defense behind James Harden, like Ricky Rubio was standing behind him to prevent him from doing a step back, and they were just giving up drafts to the hoop. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of a joke. I don't know, this whole series, that series was unnecessary. We knew it was going to happen from the second it started. Um, but, so the Rockets won that series in five games. Um, and they came out relatively unscathed injury-wise, but James Harden did slightly mess up his wrist in the last game of the series, but there's been no real reporting about that or what it really is. He just has been wearing a wrap. Though the Rockets did win that series and do so relatively easily, at least from a team perspective, James, Harden, James Harden's postseason struggles reared their head again. Even though he averaged 27.8 points per game, 8 assists per game, and 6.8 rebounds per game, he did so while shooting only 37.4% from the field and 35% from three, which is not good. Actually, 35% from three is not bad, but 37.4% from the field is atrocious. So, both the teams advanced from their first round series. Houston did so 
much easier than the Warriors did. <laughs> um, but Durant came out of that series red hot, which was a good thing for the Warriors. But heading, in the, heading into the series, being that it was the most anticipated one of the postseason, you better believe that every sports media talking head, podcast, debate show, everything, was full to the brim of hot takes about who would win, how it would impact the future of the NBA, who would step up. I saw it all. Believe me, I saw it all. <laughs> it was terrible. Those who've been following me on Twitter, you know exactly what it is and how stupid I think it all is. <laughs> um, I saw takes saying that the Houston Rockets were actually better than last year, despite all every single measurable stat saying otherwise. I saw people saying that the Warriors just aren't good enough. I saw people say, I heard people say, I can't see people say anything. <laughs> uh, I heard people say that James Harden was going to prove a point, prove that he's the best player in the NBA. I mean, me personally, I listen to the Bill Simmons podcast almost religiously, like many people do, many NBA fans do. Um, so I don't feel much shame in admitting that. Um, but he's been talking about the demise of the Warriors and the rise of the Houston Rockets for weeks. He even put money on that series and placed a bet on the Rockets to win the series and the NBA Finals, stating that he just feels like the Rockets here, that they're hungrier. I mean, he's also pretty good friends with Daryl Morey, who's the president of the Rockets. But regardless, people are picking the Rockets, a lot of people. But... Certain outlets and certain NBA experts understand that many of the arguments for the Rockets aren't really based in logic, based in reason. And as the ESPN expert predictions had only one person picking the Rockets to win, it seems like the really smart money is on the Warriors, as it should have been. But regardless, this was shaping up to be the series of the postseason, at least in the Western Conference. This is one that everyone knew would determine the fate of the Western Conference and who would make it to the finals. So... The series kicked off on Sunday at noon, and by the way, <laughs> this is unrelated, I guess, um, but these noon NBA playoff games are a total scam. Who wants to watch a primetime playoff game between the two best teams in the West at noon on a Sunday? I mean, I guess it makes sense for this right now. Ne never mind, <laughs> never mind, because Game of Thrones is on and happening at night, so I guess disregard that point. But anyways, Game 1 <laughs> was on Sunday, and here's what happened. The Golden State Warriors beat the Houston Rockets in Game 1, and the final score was 104-100. to Steve Kerr employed the Hamptons 5 to start the game, and the Warriors were in the lead for most of the game, despite their foul and turnover troubles. The leading scorer for the Warriors was Kevin Durant. He had 35 points as he continued his torrid scoring streak. He was, even though he had a slow start to the game, he was just dominant towards the end. He was the only Warrior who had more than 18 points. And that's what Stephen Curry had as the second-leading scorer. I mean, this wasn't really a great offensive effort from the Warriors. Um, he really carried the load offensively, especially late in the game. Um, but early in that game, Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala were really good offensively, and they combined to score a total of 28 points, and that's really more than you can expect from those guys, so it's great. Um, but for the Rockets, James Harden was their leading scorer, per usual. <laughs> I mean, that's what you can expect in like 95% of their games. He finished with 35 points, the same amount as Kevin Durant, but he did so on 9 of 28 shooting, and he went 4 of 16 from 3, which is bad, and I'd say borderline embarrassing if it wasn't James Harden. He did this on a normal basis and was praised for it, um, but he also went 13 of 14 from the free throw line, which is a crucial point that we will get back to later. Um, Eric Gordon for the Rockets added 27 points, and it really feels like <laughs> um, it really feels like every time the Warriors and Rockets play, Eric Gordon just goes off. I don't understand why they can't guard him, um, but it's true. Every time they play, he just goes off, or at least it feels like it. Um, 
But Chris Paul looked solid. He had 17 points. Clint Capella was awful for the Rockets. He only had four points. He just looked like he couldn't play with the Warriors this game. I don't know what it was. Maybe he's still sick. He was sick uh, last round, almost deathly ill. Um, so I'm not making light of that. It's obviously a sad situation, but he was bad. Um, and then P.J. Tucker for the Rockets was pretty spectacular on defense, but he was not good shooting the ball. He had no points, missed a lot of open looks. But as a team, the Golden State Warriors shot 50.7% from the floor and 31.8% from three. They took 22 threes and made seven of them. Only They took only 22 threes, which is frankly absurd <laughs> in 2019. Um but the Rockets, they did a really good job of running him off the three-point line. And the Warriors, they survived because, frankly, they're a multifaceted offensive team. They can kill you from anywhere on the court, really. The Rockets, they shot a combined 41.9% from the floor, so 9% less from the floor than the Warriors, and 29.8% from three. But here's the crucial difference there. Of their 74 total shots, 47 of them were threes. The Warriors took 22 threes, and the Rockets took 47 and they made 14 of them. James Harden and Eric Gordon together combined to miss 21 threes. The Rockets could barely buy a basket, but they were able to stay in the game because the Golden State Warriors committed 20 turnovers. That is right, 20 turnovers, and they let the Rockets take 29 free throws. The Warriors were playing about as recklessly as they possibly could, <laughs> and they somehow won the game, which was honestly stunning to me. <laughs> um, but that's a, that's a reason to feel good about this game one win. Um, they did it while playing as recklessly as possible, while the Splash Brothers didn't have great offensive nights and were both playing on sprained ankles. But like I said, end result, the Warriors won in Game 1. They beat the Rockets 104-100. to uh, To take Game 1, make sure they had a 1-0 series lead heading into Game 2. While the Warriors did win Game 1, and they did so behind some excellent defensive performances and another spectacular Kevin Durant offensive game, None of the talk has been about that. None of the talk has been about how good Kevin Durant was in the in the finishing moments of that game and how good some of the defensive performances were. The talk has all been about the officiating. And this is a common theme with the Rockets. The Houston Rockets, under the guidance of Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni, have tried to take advantage of market inefficiencies in the NBA while trying to, quote-unquote, break the wheel in a sense. Sorry, <laughs> while I've been gone, I, I've watched every single Game of Thrones episode probably like three times. <laughs> so if you get a lot of those metaphors and references, that's why. Sorry, not really sorry about it. <laughs> um, but Mike D'Antoni's been trying to break the wheel of the NBA for his entire coaching career. Um, the Rockets have essentially figured out that taking most of their shots from behind the three-point line will lead to more wins uh, than being really efficient from all areas of the floor. Just simply because a three-point shot is worth more than a two-point shot. So if you take more threes and shoot them slightly less than shooting more twos and making more of them, you're still going to end up with more points. Um, the Rockets, they have no mid-range game. Uh, they try to take three kinds of shots, threes, layups, and free throws, and it has been effective for the most of the time, particularly in the regular season. This leads the Rockets and the James, and specifically James Harden, uh, to play some of the most boring and unfun basketball in the entire NBA. <clears throat> and I know this is may sound like a... Uh, uh, a pretty harsh opinion, specifically for me, but as a person who doesn't like the Rockets, but I'm being pretty objective here. They might be the least fun team in the NBA to watch play. Uh, and I feel like that's a, <laughs> that is an opinion that most people who watch them have. They have little ball movement, and their offense is primarily based on players dribbling for 15 seconds before taking a three and flopping to try and draw a foul. 
<clears throat> Chris Paul and James Harden have spent most of their careers flopping and drawing fouls in preposterous ways. I mean, it takes 15 seconds on YouTube to find a 10-minute compilation of James Harden flopping and getting calls that no one else in the NBA can get. I mean, that is a <laughs> ridiculous on its own. But he's also the only player in the league who's allowed to take an extra step when taking a step back shot. It's absurd, and I think everyone can agree on that. Uh, the style of play with James Harden has been effective in the regular season, but come playoff time when the games aren't as tightly officiated, he doesn't get the same calls, and he spends a lot of time on the floor whining to refs. I mean, he barely seems like he's trying to make his shots. He just launches himself into defenders, trying to draw fouls, and if that shot goes in, it's a bonus. This is what happened yesterday, in game one, or two days ago, whenever you're listening to this. Um, some people have even started to admire his, his way of play like this. They praise him for being able to take advantage of the rules and manipulate the refs. But it didn't work out yesterday, just like it didn't work out in the Western Conference Finals last season. <clears throat> in game one, Chris Paul and James Harden both spent a lot of time just launching themselves throwing themselves, doing everything they could to make contact with Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Sean Livingston every time they shot, trying to get them to violate the Rockets' uh, landing zone when they shot and getting the Rockets more free throws. And frankly, frankly, it was embarrassing to watch. And having to listen to uh, commentary about the officiating instead of an entertaining game, especially during the game from uh, Mark Jackson and um, Jeff Van Gundy is just terrible. I, I've bitched about them several times right here on this podcast and in, in actual conversations, but I hate watching uh, nationally broadcast games because they're terrible. I just like it. I The only reason I still listen to the commentary is because uh, I like hearing when Mike Breen yells bang, and I feel like that's a universal experience with every NBA fan, that there's no better sound than when Mike Breen yells bang after a shot from your team's player. It's just incredible. <laughs> um, but... The Rockets' foul-mongering is embarrassing, and having to listen to commentary about the officiating instead of entertaining games is part of the reason that the Houston Rockets are such an unlikable team. But with the Rockets and their foul-mongering, it's more effective in the regular season. And I've mentioned that before. I think I mentioned that before during this episode of the podcast, and I've definitely mentioned it before uh, on other episodes. But James Harden hasn't shot very well this postseason, and really in any postseason. But in Game 1, that trend continued. He spent a lot of time of this game rolling on the ground, flailing his arms, kicking his legs out on threes, and standing at the free throw line. Uh, he does he does this every year. Uh, in his last four games this postseason, and these are real numbers, James Harden has gone 38 of 93 from the field, which is 30.1%. 15 of 53 from three, which is 28.3%, with 26 assists and 21 turnovers. <clears throat> He's showing you who he really is. He's a guy who doesn't perform in the playoffs and relies on the officials to save him most of the time. I just want a fair chance, man. Uh, call the game how it's supposed to be called, and, and, and that's it. And I'll live with the results. But when you, especially we all know what happened, you know, a few years back with Kawhi, like that can change an entire series. Just call the game how it's supposed to be called, and and we'll live with the results. And, and it's, it's plain and simple. I'm sorry to break it to you, but you might be the one player in the NBA with the least amount of self awareness possible. You might be, you might have the least amount of self awareness in the entire NBA. It's, it's, either, it's between you and Russell Westbrook. 
I mean seriously, has there ever been a bigger case of the pot calling the kettle black? James Harden has taken more free throws than anyone in the NBA this year by a massive margin. This season, in the regular season, he took 858 free throws. The next highest amount was from Giannis Antetokounmpo with 683. That's right, James Harden took nearly 200 more free throws than the player with the second most. He takes 11 of them a game. 11. The last time he didn't lead the entire league in free throw attempts was in the 2013-14 NBA season. That's five years ago. Opposing players haven't had a quote-unquote fair chance against James Harden in half a decade. He gets foul calls that literally no other player in the entire league gets. Think about this. This is a real stat. He is the all-time leader in getting fouled on three-point attempts, and he's only been in the league for nine seasons. And he leads everyone who's ever played, ever, on cumulative fouls from three-point range. Think about this. He complained about not getting a quote-unquote fair chance in a game that saw him take 14 free throws. He averaged 11 of them per game this season. Imagine this. Imagine getting to do something more than anybody else and still complaining that you don't get to do it enough. Complaining that 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 it isn't enough. Simply because you can't make your own shots in the playoffs. Because you have proven time and time again that you can't perform under the brightest lights in the postseason. Think about this. In his career, James Harden is a career 44.3% shooter from the floor and a 36.5% shooter from three. He averages nine free throw attempts per game in his entire career. And those stats include his time in his first couple years coming off of the bench in OKC when they also had KD and Russell Westbrook. During his seven seasons in Houston, he'd shot 44.3% from the floor and 36.4% from three, while taking 10.2 free throws a game. Those are his regular season numbers. In the postseason, for the Rockets, he's shot 40.7% from the floor and 31.7% from three, while taking 9.4 free throws a game. His numbers across the board are noticeably lower. I mean... Going from 44% from the field to 40 and from 36% from 3 to 31 is an incredible drop-off. Do you think that's a coincidence that he just gets cold late in the year? <coughs> no, it's not. He isn't a postseason performer. He relies on free throws to aid his scoring numbers while his percentages plummet. He can't be a successful player in the playoffs without taking advantage of the officials and having them bail him out during the regular season, and he's trying to do the same thing in the playoffs as he always has been. Him asking for a quote-unquote fair chance is just dripping with irony. And then bringing Kawhi Leonard into that conversation is just hilarious. Kawhi Leonard, in case you don't know, got hurt two years ago when Zaza Pachulia on the Warriors slid his foot underneath him during the Western Conference Finals in 2017. But the thing is, Kawhi Leonard wasn't flailing his legs out to try to create that content or contact. That's what James Harden does. He talks about the risk of injury as if he isn't the one endangering himself. If you play with fire, you're going to get burned. It's no one's fault except your own, 
And when I think of this whole predicament, this whole concept, I'm reminded of a lyric from 50 Cent's song, Patiently Waiting. The lyric goes like this. Don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. And if you got a glass jaw, then watch your mouth. When you're so reliant on these calls to be marginally successful in the playoffs, maybe don't go out of your way to make the refs more cognizant of the fact that you're embellishing these fouls. It's like when you get a test back in school and you see that the professor gave you full credit for some wrong answers. You don't go tell them about it. You take your better grade and move on. This is a whole boy who cried wolf situation for no reason. You get the benefit of that more than you don't. What do you want? You're either going to get more calls and it's going to be absurd and you're going to get backlash from that, or you're going to get less calls and you're going to be exposed as to fraud you are. So, (laughs) I think I just said this, but this is going to go one of two ways. Harden's going to get either an infinite number of foul calls and live at the line for the rest of this series, making it borderline unwatchable, or... He's not going to get nearly as many foul calls as before, and he's going to be exposed as a fraud yet again, just like in every other postseason series he's been in before. But on top of all this, on top of Harden going to a post-game press conference and complaining about not having a quote-unquote fair chance, even though he's had the advantage for years, the Houston Rockets, following their Game 1 loss to the Warriors, leaked something through Sam Amick of The Athletic a very reputable sports reporting uh, website um, behind a paywall, so if you haven't seen this, I don't blame you. But essentially the gist of it is <laughs> um, the Houston Rockets have a greater persecution complex than any other team in the NBA, maybe any other team in professional sports. Um, them the Lakers. <laughs> or them and LeBron, I guess. Le- LeBron and his fans have a pretty big persecution complex. But like I was saying, the Houston Rockets leaked that they have compiled data and statistics showing how the officiating in the matchups between Golden State and Houston have been one-sided in favor of the Warriors, and that the poor officiating in last postseason's matchup cost the Houston Rockets a championship. That's right. The Houston Rockets last year, who won 65 games, only to miss 27 consecutive threes in Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals, which is an NBA record, by the way, in case you forgot, in case I haven't haven't reminded you enough. (laughs) Um... They're convinced that that, all those reasons, all those missed threes are not the reasons they've lost the finals. Not the injury to Chris Paul. Not the missed threes. They're convinced that they lost because of poor officiating that all benefited the Warriors. The Houston Rockets spent their offseason and regular season compiling data, watching film, looking at full 48-minute reports of their playoff games against the Warriors, (coughs) essentially to write a book report about how they don't get any calls instead of approving their team. The Rockets let Trevor Ariza and Luka Mbamute walk and signed a washed-up Carmelo Anthony because they were so distracted by writing a book report about how the refs cost him a championship. In this leaked report from Sam Amick, Amick of The Athletic, he wrote, and this is a quote, According to sources with knowledge of the situation, the Rockets have been making a data-driven case with the NBA for quite some time that these super team warriors are getting a major officiating advantage in these heavy hitter matchups. And all of these specific examples that have been discussed with league officials, none of them have been more suspect. Uh, none of them have more suspect of the system than the 2018 Western Conference Finals. This series, this series opener from this year, more than anything, was salt poured directly into that Rockets wound. Wound. He then wrote. Um, 
uh, he, he, he then wrote, the Rockets, according to sources, had a double-digit def- point deficit in six of the seven games, and a small edge in game two. In all, sources say, they were harmed to the tune of 93 points. Game seven was the worst, the research showed, with the league-issued report indicating that they should have had 18 more points. More specifically, two of their 27 consecutive missed three-pointers that did, that did them in were ruled to have been missed foul calls. That's the end of the quote. Um, now, the Rockets believe they were cheated out of 93 total points in the 2018 Western Conference Finals. In the Warriors' four wins in that series, they outscored the Rockets by 89 total points. And in the Rockets' three wins, they outscored the Warriors by a total of 29 points, and they had the free throw advantage in every single one of them. Two of the Rockets' three wins came when the Warriors were held under 100 points, and in Game 5, the Rockets shot 32 free throws, which is a number that is simply ungodly. Amick wrote that the Rockets were cheated out of um, 18 points in Game 7 due to missed calls, but you know, if you think about it, those 18 points are kind of insignificant when you think about the fact that if you made every single one of those 27 missed consecutive free uh, uh, three-pointers, you would have had 81 more points. You would have had, uh, what, like 160 points in that game? I seriously can't get over this. Imagine missing... Seriously, imagine this. Imagine being a team that missed an NBA record 27 consecutive free throws and then thinking that the officials cost you that game. And then here's another hilarious quote from this Sam Amick story. Quote, To that end, the Rockets also believe another one of their allegations was confirmed yet again in Game 1 of this series. The notion that the league's more experienced officials are far less willing to call the play in accordance with the rules as compared to younger officials Sources say the Rockets raised this, aware- this research-inspired complaint with the NBA months ago, and it didn't help matters in their eyes that this game fell right in line with that theory. The officials, for- and that's the end of the quote. The rest is in uh, uh, parentheses. Uh, the officials from this game, Zarba, he's in his 16th season, Tivin in his 9th, and Kirkland is in his 19th. So basically, the Rockets don't want seasoned officials calling their games because they, they let things go in the playoffs. More often. They understand that the games in the playoffs are different than the games in the regular season. They understand that the games are rougher, more intense. You know what the Rockets want? The Rockets want the young officials that they know they can manipulate and push their limits with the flopping and foul mongering, that they know they can get rewarded with. That somehow isn't... This is so befuddling to me. This somehow isn't the most appalling part of this report, though. Here's the worst part. <coughs> um, in all that research and analysis and research... The Rockets didn't mention a single call that benefited the Rockets and screwed the Warriors. They are operating on the assumption that they play perfect basketball, and the Warriors didn't deserve it. Didn't weren't beneficiaries of, or the Rockets weren't beneficiaries of beneficiaries of any bad calls, because simply because Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni they solved the sport, they broke the wheel. They don't understand how they possibly could have lost this team with 65 wins. How could they have lost? It must have been the officials. Not the fact that they missed 27 straight threes. The fact that their team sh- took two kinds of shots, layups and threes. Couldn't make a mid-range shot to save their lives. Anyways. Not only is this report stupid, just kind of dumb and <laughs> frankly irresponsible, because it doesn't mention any calls that favored the Rockets, 
but the Rockets leaked it after a Game 1 loss in a blatant attempt to try to manipulate the officials and public opinion even more so than they already do. It's one thing to bitch and moan and complain about every call that goes against you in every game. But now they're leaking these reports to try to plant the seeds in the mind of officials and future officials that they aren't getting any calls. The Rockets feel so worried after being unable to win a very winnable game against a beaten-up Warriors team that they had a rest advantage over that they leaked a report that they spent over a year compiling all this data for about how they're being persecuted by the officials and how they aren't getting enough calls. This is not only an embarrassment to the NBA, but an embarrassment to basketball and professional sports as a whole. The Rockets, I think they're the least self-aware team in the entire NBA, maybe even the entire industry of American professional sports. This shit is just absolutely pathetic. I can't even, I can't, I, I can't even imagine having like, <laughs> that's, it's, imagine you're on a team and you lose a series and you push the two-time defending NBA champions to seven games. And instead of being like, oh, wow, we pushed them farther than any team other ever has with Kevin Durant. We really deserve some respect and honor for that. Instead, you're like, actually, you know what? Let's take away all the respect and just bitch and moan about the officials. Let's not give them any props. Let's just bitch and moan about the officials and do something about that. Instead of the fact that our model of efficiency, that quote-unquote broke basketball, you've solved it, you only shoot threes, and it's so much more efficient, it didn't work. You missed 27 straight threes. And then coming back the next year, and the same thing happens again. And yet again, the only thing you can do is blame the refs. How about you take a look in a fucking mirror? Your strategy doesn't work. Your superstar, your MVP, doesn't perform in the playoffs. You built the team, you built the formula that's really successful in the regular season. Doesn't work in the playoffs. Mike D'Antoni did the same thing in in, uh, Phoenix. Seven, seven, Seven seconds or less, never won a title. You think that's a coincidence? This whole breaking basketball thing, it's a coincidence. It never works. It's hard to solve professional sports. That's why it's never happened. It's why there's so much parity in other professional sports. In fact, basketball is a sport with the least amount of parity. The only fact that the people bitch and moan about the Warriors is because they don't like the fact that this team is so dominant and it really closed LeBron James's championship window. There have been like, I don't know, <laughs> since 2010, who's won championships? The Lakers won in 2010, 2011, then in 2012, the uh, no, the Lakers won in 2010, Mavericks won in 2011, then the Heat won twice, uh, then the Spurs won, uh, Spurs won, and then the Warriors won, and the Cavs won, then the Warriors won twice, and they're going to win again. This whole sport, this whole basketball from their very beginning has been dominated by dynasties. Other sports are not like that. But these dynasties, they don't win because they solved basketball. They win because they have the players that other teams don't. Michael Jordan's dynasty. You know why they won all those titles? Because they had Michael fucking Jordan. Kobe Bryant won five rings. You know why they did that? Because for three of them, they had Kobe and Shaq. For the other three, they had Kobe and Pau Gasol. Tim Duncan has five rings. Want to know why? Because he's Tim fucking Duncan, and his team consisted of David Robinson, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and they were coached by one of the greatest coaches of all time. The Miami Heat with LeBron James. Uh, you want to know why they won? They had LeBron. They had Dwayne Wade. They had Chris Bosh. They had a bunch of good role players. They had good players. You know why the Warriors are winning? Because they have 
Steph Curry, a two-time MVP, Klay Thompson, one of the best shooters of all time, Draymond Green, one of the best defenders of all time, and Kevin Durant, like a nine-time scoring champ and MVP and a two-time finals MVP. You don't win by coming up with these formulas that break the NBA. You notice that in the entire history of the NBA, there are random titles where like one team win one, wins one every like three years. But most of the time, I mean, I know I'm just ranting and it's probably incoherent, but over 50% of the NBA titles have been won by two teams, the Celtics and the Lakers. You can't say that about other professional sports. The most of, most championships a team's won in the NFL is, what, six? The Patriots and the uh, and the Steelers. In the MLB, it's what? The Yankees with 27. But that's not the majority. Baseball's been around for 100, 100 years. The NBA is the only sport where dynasties are really prevalent. And that's because of players. It's not because of a system. The Bulls didn't win because of the triangle offense. They won because they had Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Hall of Famers. The Houston Rockets are just bitching and moaning because they don't have enough talent to compete with the top dogs like the Warriors. And now they have this system where they have to feel like they can take advantage of the refs, take advantage of the officiating in order to win. It doesn't work. It's embarrassing. The leaking a report about how you lost you lost out on the NBA Finals uh, championship because the officials even the, the officials cost you two games, even though you missed twenty seven straight threes in Game Seven. It's pathetic. It's embarrassing. An embarrassment to the league, to your teams, to yourselves, to the sports as a whole. So, I mean, I'm a blatant Warriors fan. I'm a homer. <laughs> I'm from the Bay Area. I love my Bay Area teams, with the exception of the Sharks most of the time. But they're in the playoffs right now, so it's okay. I root for the Bay Area teams. I'm very open about that. I don't like the Houston Rockets. But now, coming into the series, most people were against the Warriors. People have been against the Warriors since they got Kevin Durant. They were a super likable team until then. They got Kevin Durant. They became the bad boys of the NBA. No one likes them. People like LeBron. People like these other teams because they're more likable. They don't feel like they're too dominant. The Warriors have the talent to be too dominant. The Rockets somehow turned the Warriors into a more likable team. People are actually rooting for this team after this whole leaked report thing. It's some of the most chicken shit, basketball shit I've ever seen. It's just pathetic. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to rant more about this. (laughs) Um, It's probably enough ranting about how the Rockets are pathetic and how James Harden's a serial playoff choker. (laughs) Um... But let's quickly look at the outlook for the rest of the series after Game 1 with Game 2 coming on Tuesday night. The Rockets, they lost a winnable Game 1. They could have beaten the Warriors. Maybe they should have. Before the series, I predicted on Twitter that the Warriors would get the Rockets out of here in 5 games. They'd eliminate them in 5. And I felt I felt comfortable then. I feel even more comfortable now. The Warriors came into Game 1 on just 36 hours of rest, while the Rockets had about 4 days of rest and they were in the Bay Area getting adjusted to the time difference. And then in Game 1, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson both had sprained ankles, which will both only become more healed over time. And then, how likely is it that Steph and Klay will have less than 18 points, both of them, have less than 18 points in the same game, in another game in the series? It's unlikely. Dare I say, almost impossible. (laughs) Um, And then how likely is it that the Warriors will commit 20 turnovers in another game in the series? Even even two more games in the series, because it could happen again. Pretty unlikely. 
if the Rockets were seriously going to beat the Warriors this year, they needed to win that game one. They shouldn't feel confident. There is no moral victory here. The Warriors played a sloppy, careless game and still won. Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and Klay Thompson were all uncharacteristically inefficient, and they still won. The bottom line here is that the Rockets need to win four of the next six games against the Golden State Warriors, something that is nearly impossible against a healthy Warriors team. The Warriors have won a road playoff game in every series that Steph Curry has played in. So the Rockets need to win two of their games in Oracle to have a chance to win. But another issue for them (laughs) is that the Warriors were a better road team this season than they were at home. And they haven't even lost on the road yet this playoffs. So the Warriors could go into Houston and win both their games, sweep the Rockets. Who knows? So I guess what I'm saying is that I see no way the Rockets win the series. And it is more likely to be a quick series, than I, like I predicted, than a long series like we saw last year. Uh, and with that, <laughs> uh, that's all I got for game one of this series. That's all I've got for the rant about the Rockets' playoff report. They're complaining about the fouls, the officiating. But I think the Warriors are going to wrap this highly anticipated matchup up in five games. But the bigger news here, the more important news, the most important news, I know you all care about this the most, is that I am here, and I will break down each game of this series and probably... And then break down every game of the series and then probably go back to weekly. Um, right here on the SportsBall.com podcast. So, stay tuned. Keep it locked for the next episode after game two. And with all that being said, I hope you enjoyed this breakdown, this rant, this incoherent mumbling, just jargon from me. And I hope you have, hope you have a good couple days. And I will talk to you after game two. Peace. <laughs>